You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. If you're sitting in a traffic jam listening to this podcast, or you're on a train, just imagine there was no electricity. And I don't mean a blackout that goes for a couple of hours in a storm. I mean a blackout for more than a week, where there's no traffic lights, no street lights, no heating, no aircon, or there's strict rationing where the lights stay on at night, but during the day, tens of millions of people try to get on with normal life without access to electricity. This is what life has been like in a city of Shenyang, in northeastern China, since mid-August. We lost electricity in the morning, and we prepared food and saved water in advance because tap water was also cut. These towers have 26 floors, and the lift is stopped, so many elderly people haven't come down. They won't come down until the power is back. But it's not just Shenyang. Power restrictions have affected homes, businesses, and factories from Guangdong in the south to Heilongjiang, Jilin, and Liaoning in the northeast. My name is Holly Chick. I'm a reporter working on the China desk here at the South China Morning Post. And this week on the Inside China podcast, we're talking power. So you live in LA, Berlin, or Singapore, or Melbourne. Why should you care about power outages in China? What if I told you it's not just the lights that are being turned off in mainland China right now? It's the factories making a new iPhone, the seats for your new BMW, the rims of your new bicycle, as well as the tiny component that makes up the part of your life. The parts that get sent to the U.S. to be assembled in the refrigerators, TVs, baby carriages, umbrellas, right up to and including the tiny needles that puncture the coffee capsules in your Cuisinart, Nespresso, or Keurig. China is the world's largest consumer of energy. And 70% of the power supplied to its national grid is generated by burning coal. So what's gone wrong? In some ways, it's about supply and demand, and a fundamental conflict happening between a communist planned economy and a capitalist free market. On one side, China's power companies have their prices fixed for consumers. They supply China's massive demand for electricity. The other side of their business is finding the coal to meet that demand, either by mining it or competing to buy it on the global market. And that market is seeing strong demand leading up to winter. Prices have risen around 40% in the last month, from around 120 US dollars per ton in mid-August to around 170 US dollars per ton in recent weeks. And here's the harsh reality for China's power companies: once the price of coal gets about 140 US dollars per ton, they start losing money for every kilowatt of energy they send to the grid. Which means, at current prices, these power companies are losing five US dollars per kilowatt of electricity. And last year, China produced 7.42 trillion kilowatts of electric power. 
So now, these power companies have been using a variety of excuses to reduce the power they generate. Or even just turn it off. But that's just one part of the situation confronting China right now. Two weeks ago, China's President Xi Jinping addressed the United Nations General Assembly and made this declaration to the world. We need to accelerate transition to a green and low-carbon economy and achieve green recovery and development. China will strive to peak carbon dioxide emissions before 2030 and achieve carbon neutrality before 2060. This requires tremendous hard work and we will make every effort to meet these goals. And that's not the only speech he's made on the subject this year. In April, he addressed the Earth Day conference and declared China would strictly limit any increase in coal consumption in the next four years, and then begin phasing it out. At the same time, world demand for China's exports is surging, meaning the factories and workshops across the country are moving into top gear for production. Something's got a give. Sissy Joe works on our political economy desk. Sissy, you've been covering the story as it developed over the past weeks. Um, what is the situation right now? Right now, there are still some power cutoffs in some cities across the country. Before I came into the studio, I checked on social media. So some social media users are still saying, oh, 停电了. That means like the sudden blackout. And some didn't even get print warnings of that. So you can ima- imagine there's some, you know, impact for uh, people's daily lives. Just imagine you're, you know, in an, an elevator or if you lay, if your apartment is on the 20th floor. Uh, so that would be some problems. But um, I think the situation in China's north, uh, northeastern region, which was hit worst by the blackouts last month, seems slightly better particularly for household electricity usage. Power cuts also mean no water? If in some places, if you cut the electricity, and then the supply of the water will also be impacted. Can you take us through the causes of these power cuts? That's been more than one factor at play here, right? Um, yes. the, the stories that you've published over, over the past week unpack this combination of things that have created this crisis. So it's price, supply regulations. Can you start with how China's electricity prices have helped create this situation? Yeah, this is, I think, maybe sort of unique. I'm not sure whether that's unique in China or not, but typically it's like something that China has, which is different from most of the countries. Uh, In China, electricity prices are fixed because China has a sort of uh, Plant economy and uh, uh, which is to say like if you want to raise the price of the electricity you are only allowed to increase by 10% maximum but uh, the price of the coal is highly marketalized and then as you know that the prices of the coal has been surging this year and if power stations are not allowed to raise the prices they will be losing money right so there has been a lack of motivation for those coal-fired 
power stations to generate more electricity. As far as I know, some of them are using, you know, excuses, including uh, facility maintenance. The coal available in the market doesn't meet the requirement of their facilities, etc. And then so that they would, you know, generate less uh, electricity to save the cost. So what about the supply of coal? Yeah, that's a very good question. And, you know, I think more than 70% of China's power is generated from coal. And then, so there has been a coal shortage from last year, but this year's shortage is much worse than uh, last year. Um, so I just checked the data. You know, the coal inventory of the six biggest power stations in China by the end of September can only last for 14 days. Some analysts even said the inventory can only last for 10.3 days. So that is much lower than the required uh, 21 days by NDRC because this is um, off-season. And then they, the inventory should be able to last for more than 21 days. And then you can see the difference. And uh, in terms of the supply, you know, China can produce most of the coal it needs. However, it also needs to import coal to supplement domestic supply. And uh, let's talk uh, domestic output first. You know, China has shut down a lot of mines in the past few years. Uh, first of all, because there were so many mine accidents. And then there's also, you know, the Chinese authorities uh, have been trying to reduce the pollution. So it's different reasons. So that has caused a shortage of uh, domestic output, right? For imports, uh, we all know that China has stopped importing coal from Australia due to political tensions um, from the end of last year. So the coal uh, imported from Australia, you know, only accounts for about 2% or a little bit less than 2%, 1.7, I think. 1.7% of China's total uh, coal consumption. If you only look at the percentages, this is not very high, right? But the coal from Australia is like quite inexpensive and the quality is very good. And then after China banned Australian coal, they are increasing imports, you know, from Russia, Indonesia, and Mongolia. And currently, you know, 70% of China's imported coal is from Indonesia. Sissy, what are your sources and analysts telling you about the international coal market? Okay, first of all, uh, you know, after China banned Australian coal and uh, Australia uh, government said that they have managed to sell uh, more coal to other countries. You know, I talked to some analysts, they were shocked after they look at the price because, you know, the price for... Indonesia coal is almost doubled uh, from that of Australia's, so which is you know totally unbelievable to those analysts. Because on the one hand, the coal price from Indonesia is much higher, but on the other hand, the quality is not that good. Sissy, can we just go back to the figure you said? That's two percent of thermal coal from Australia. How many tons are we talking about for China? Yes. In total, China consumes more than 3 billion of thermal coal each year. You know, thermal coal is that kind of uh, coal that is used to generate power. 
And then before China officially banned Australian coal, it would import about 50 million tons of thermocol from Australia every year. So that's 50 million tons of coal that China is missing out. Yes. So you know, this also、uh, caused a bigger. Impact on some cities in southern China, comparing to northern cities,、um, South China relies more on, on the coal imported from Australia. Sissy, you're an expert in China's trade. Can you tell us what's happening in southern China? Why is coal so important for this part of China? Because a lot of、uh, manufacturers they're based in、uh, South China. And、uh, you know the Christmas is coming, and then a lot of、uh, Christmas gifts in the U.S. and Europe they're supposed to be imported from China because it's it's inexpensive and the quality is relatively good. And you know due to the power shortage, that means those factories output and production has been you know disrupted for at least you know weeks. And then that means there is supposed to be a delay on those products that the U.S. and Europe are supposed to receive before Christmas. There has already been a disruption in the global shipping industry due to the COVID, and then so expect there will be more, you know, disruption. So it's now October. How much of this is a threat to Christmas in America? You're right. This is already October, you know. But、uh, September usually marks the start of the, you know, peak season for shipping, and then the impact is already there, you know. A lot of reporting is about how China is the biggest polluter when it comes to coal. But there's one factor that you picked up that is really interesting, and it's about the role of local governments in China and their end-of-year emission goals. Can you tell us more about it? You know, China has pledged to cut its carbon intensity by more than sixty-five percent from、um, the two thousand five levels by twenty thirty. And also in China, you know, there are non-negotiable carbon reduction targets for local provincial governments. And now it's almost, you know, the end of the year. So some of them were in Russian measures, such as widespread power cuts to reduce carbon emissions if, if they have not, you know, reached the target. So that is also true, and、uh, you know, partially contributed to the outage. So what's happened next? Like. Um, are you hearing anything about how Beijing is going to navigate its way out of this? Yes,、uh, you know the NDRC,、uh, China's top economic planner. They have pledged that they will use multiple ways to、um, secure the electricity supply, so、uh, particularly the coal supply. So. They would, you know, release some of、uh, the domestic coal production capacity. For example, if they would recover some of the mines which were abandoned in the past, and then they would also increase imports from Russia, Indonesia, and Mongolia. They didn't mention Australia, of course. And some analysts are also expecting the authorities to further liberalize the cap of electricity price increase. And just to give、um, power stations more motivations to generate power, and also、uh, starting this month,、uh, NDRC they would start a trial program to link industrial power prices to coal market. It sounds like there's a lot of emergency response from Beijing. Yes, and they aren't really policy reforms. 
I would not call them reforms because you know it's um, there's just so many obstacles to some deep reform in China, mm. particularly about the system. So for the Chinese people, what are your sources telling you about how long they're gonna go through this power shortage? Some analysts they expect that this you know shock waves would continue until at least early next year. Because it's now it's already October and then winter is coming. You know they will need more coal for the winter. Early next year,、uh, and of course the global economy is going to continue to feel the impact from China. Cizhou, thank you so much. Thank you, Holly. Receiving coal at Christmas is very symbolic. It echoes through American and British literature back through the centuries, so you can appreciate the irony of China needing coal for Christmas this year. In fact, it needs a lot of coal next week, and in three weeks' time, the COP26 conference will be held in Glasgow. That's where the leaders of the world gather for what's being seen as the last chance for the world to get nations to agree on ambitious goals to limit global temperature rises. And to reach the goal of zero emissions as soon as possible. Meanwhile, Beijing needs to solve a nationwide coal-powered energy crisis within the next fortnight. And people want action on climate change, but do they want it as bad as they want new iPhones, new game consoles, coffee machines, and other consumer goods made in China? As always, you get the latest news, the best analysis at scmp.com. My name is Holly Chick. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.